A little background first. I was serving a 15-year sentence in a penitentiary in southern Arizona. What I was there for isn't important. During my stay there, there were countless things that happened that no one could explain and even more that no one wanted to know more about. It all started with a prison legend. Supposedly, years ago, something awful and unexplainable happened in the prison. Every morning, we'd be woken up and expected to stand near the front of our cells, while guards visually confirmed we were present and accounted for. Apparently, about a year before I got sent there, the most brutal and unexpected thing happened during one of these routines. A man who had a cell to himself looked very off during this check. When a guard pulled over another guard to help him check it out, they found it wasn't exactly the prisoner they were expecting at all. It was a totally different man. This man was wearing the skin of the other man over him, loosely fitting and draped over him. Apparently it looked like a real monster. The scariest thing was, though, as the guy wearing the skin was not an inmate. They had no idea how he even got into the prison, let alone a cell. What's worse is that they couldn't even figure out who the hell he was. He wasn't documented anywhere. And what's worse than that, they never even found the body of the man of the skin he was wearing. Pretty grisly stuff, I know. And I realize that's not the go-to definition of a skinwalker, but that's what the prison called him. The skinwalker. Didn't help that the guy never talked, apparently. Anyway, that's what started the whole skinwalker superstition around the yard. Apparently, the guy got shipped to a different spot about a month after it happened, and just about everyone in Genpop felt all the better for it. I heard about the story on the second day of my stay. Hell of a story to hear in your home for the foreseeable future. Now, onto the real shit. Sure, that guy was the skinwalker, but all he did in the long run was get an old lifer Navajo inmate to tell everybody about actual skinwalkers. It seemed like a lot of the prison culture actually revolved around them. Now, Apparently, skinwalkers are tricky to point out on the spot, but if you manage to survive around one for more than a minute or two, almost everyone can tell the mannerisms are all off. They can mimic human speech, but not replicate it. They twitch manically. They have an unnatural gait while walking. But apparently, they get no better with experience. The old Navajo guy, his name was Carl said that he was sure there was an actual one among the prisoners. Slowly picking us off over the years, he called it the Grandmaster Skinwalker at one point. Apparently, he thought it had mannerisms down so well that you might not even be able to tell if it was your cellmate for a day or two. It had to be good. He would expect a skinwalker to jump at any opportunity for a kill, but this one realized it had a revolving door of people to kill coming to it, and masterfully bided its time, as Carl thought, for years. A lot of guys found humor in it. A lot more were really on edge about it. Every once in a while, while in prison, people snap 
Sometimes you'll find your cellmate swinging in front of your bunk, strung up around the neck by his pant leg. Sometimes you just can't take it anymore, but in our yard, people tend to snap in a very special way. It wouldn't be an outburst at dinner or a silent suicide in the night. Guys would just stop talking, hunch over and shuffle around. Any friends they had would be mostly out the window. They would turn into a loner during wreck time. They would let their hair hang in front of their face. No one liked to talk about it. Like, if they did, it would happen to them next. I felt the same way. I didn't know if it was a skinwalker or just people going crazy. But I didn't want to find out. It wasn't clockwork or anything, but every time someone snapped in this way, it wasn't more than a couple weeks before they were shipped off or transferred to God knows where without anyone else knowing beforehand. Then, there were the nighttime occurrences. Short, loud bursts of sound echoed throughout my cell block during all hours of the night on a regular basis. It sounded like a mix between a pig's dying squeal and nails on a chalkboard. Just another thing no one likes to talk about. Even scarier were the shadows and footsteps. The block was dimly illuminated in the night by a few lights hanging from the ceiling outside the cells. I myself saw shadows flit across my walls on a regular occasion, while there were definitely no guards near my cell. One time, near the end of my sentence, I woke up and looked at my back wall and found a perfect silhouette of a person standing there. But when I looked, my bunkmate was asleep, and no one was outside my cell. In the footsteps, everyone hated the fucking footsteps. They were the scariest part. In the night, sometimes, more rarely than the shadows, you would hear ungodly fast footsteps. They sounded like wet feet slapping on the tile floor. Whatever caused them would fly from one end of the block to the other in a dead sprint. Whatever it was, it was inhumanly fast. If you happened to be awake before it started... By the time you heard the footsteps on one side of your cell and whipped your head around to see the thing run by, it sounded like it was three cells past you. Everyone hated the footsteps. I agreed. I thought they were the worst. I was released from that place about a month ago. I have more stories than I can count. I swear it was nearly my turn. But a week before I was discharged, my cellmate and a good friend of mine snapped in the same kind of way. I didn't sleep for an entire week. Well, I did sleep, of course, but never for more than a few minutes at a time. I never turned my back on the guy. Scariest thing. I woke up one night to him somehow snaking his body through the bars of our cell. For reference, I couldn't get anything past my shoulder through them. The worst part, though, he was coming back into our cell. On the day of my release, I didn't say a word to him. I just left. He seemed fine with it. So, so was I. I had made it through. Fifteen years of prison fights, gang disputes, and for all I know, skinwalker abductions. I left through the front gates. A free man. As I walked along the fence for the wreck yard, 
I spotted my cellmate, standing off on his own, like he had for the last week or so. I shook my head, not even really sure if it was him anymore. I took one last look over the yard, this time from the other side of the fence. I wish I hadn't. There, standing off on his own on the other side of the yard, was Carl. Slouched over, eyeing the other inmates, and twitching manically. Growing up in the central U.S., I've heard all of the myths and legends about skinwalkers. I never really gave them any merit up until last week. I've also heard that talking or thinking about them can draw them, but I need to tell someone. Anyone who will listen and not think I'm crazy. Let me start with some background. My name is Dakota. I'm 26, and I've grown up in and around the Southern Rockies and the Superstition Mountains and all the vast wilderness that is Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. All my life, I've been drawn to the outdoors, hiking, climbing, biking, rafting, kayaking. You name it, and I've done it. I'm very experienced in all of these activities, and I've worked as a guide and survival instructor since the age of 19. I've experienced many strange and possibly paranormal things during my time in the wild, but I'm rambling. Those stories can't be posted separately if there is any in- Anyway, last Friday I took some time off for myself just to get back in tune with the solitude of nature. I packed all my gear finished going through my checklist and made sure to let some of the other guides know where I was headed and when I'd be back a few days later. I then loaded my gun into my four-wheeler, made sure that Bear, uh, my very large and very loyal and very protective German Shepherd, was comfy in the passenger seat. He is my lookout, adventurer partner, and best friend. He never leaves my side, even to the point that all the small businesses around the long-forgotten mining town I call home welcome him happily. We set out shortly after 11am towards a canyon I'd recently discovered hidden away behind thick brush and an apparent rock slide. After about five hours of driving through the dusty and desolate landscape, the trail continues on between a narrow passage through the mountainous cliffs. When we arrived, I parked the four-wheeler behind a large outcropping of boulders, took the keys, and covered it. Not that I was worried about theft, I was possibly miles away from the nearest human. I covered it to keep out of the unforgiving sun to prevent any melting damage. After getting the four-wheeler stashed away, I donned my pack and my sidearm, a large-caliber Desert Eagle. There aren't many large animals out here, but... I like guns and target shooting, so who cares if it's overkill? It's a last means of protection, and it will do the job. I surveyed the area. There was thick brush and dry foliage all around us, with a small foot trail I cleared from the four-wheeler at our rear, and a large rock pile in front of us with sheer cliffs on either side. I scurried around the rocks to the very narrow passage behind on the left side. It was a tight squeeze and I had to remove my pack and pull it behind me. I had to side shuffle like this for about 20 feet 
with cold, jagged rocks against my chest and loose boulders against my back. The trail narrowed near the end, and I had to suck in my chest and wriggle my way out into a large opening in the rocks where Bear waited happily for me, with his head cocked to the side with a confused look on his face, almost as if wondering why I was struggling while he passed easily. When I finally freed myself from the narrow crevice and looked around, my jaw dropped. All around me, the cliff walls were covered in ancient cave paintings and carvings, some of which I recognized from some other Native American sites, used as religious sites. But many of these symbols were new to me. The most notable was a large painting near where the trail continued on. It depicted a large figure whose head and antlers resembled that of a deer, but the body was long and narrow and, strangest of all, bipedal. It's at times like these I wish I brought some piece of technology, such as a camera or my iPhone, but I usually leave them at home and only bring an emergency sat phone. Intrigued, I left the opening and headed on down the trail. I was surprised by the steep downward slope that seemed to be heading down further and further into the earth, and was even more surprised when the trail ended at the mouth of a large cave. A cave I hadn't known about. This couldn't get any better. I set down my pack and pulled out my flashlight. It was getting pretty dark, so I figured I'd just check out the opening and then get settled for the night. I wandered in a few feet and abruptly stopped when the floor dropped down into a chasm. My flashlight barely penetrated the dark abyss below me. Disappointed that I'd need to return another day with my caving gear and possibly a partner, I headed back towards the mouth of the cave, and Bear, who had strangely stayed put and had not followed me in. He must be tired, I thought, as I suddenly started to realize my own fatigue after five hours of driving and nearly four hours of hiking. I started a small fire with some light newspaper logs I packed in, which burned for a surprisingly long time, heated up some water for some dehydrated oatmeal, and gave Bear his bag of kibble. After a not-quite-so-satisfying meal, I unrolled my sleeping bag and got comfortable with the fire by my side and the distant view of stars peeking between the distant cliff tops that sheltered me from the rest of the world. With that peaceful thought, I dozed off to the sound of crackling fire and Bear snoring beside me. I sleepily checked my watch when I was nudged awake. It was almost three in the morning. I softly pushed Bear's head away from nudging me so I could go back to sleep. But that's when, in the dim firelight, I saw his teeth bared and head low beside me, in a very protective position. He was staring towards the mouth of the cave, with a deep guttural growl emanating from his throat. More alert now, I clumsily grabbed for my flashlight and unholstered my pistol, my finger ready to switch off the safety. I motioned to Bear to be quiet, which was a very handy skill that had taken a lot of time to learn. On command, he quieted but still snarled, staring at the dark hole in the cave. I illuminated the edge of the drop-off, my gun aimed with the beam, and we listened. For a few minutes, all I heard was silence besides my heartbeat. Then, faintly, I heard it. I still can't describe it, but 
I will try my best. It sounded like the belt of a goat and the yowl of a wild cat coming together to form words that seemed so broken and foreign. Quiet at first, it was accommodated by a clicking and scraping sound. Getting closer and closer, I strained my eyes to see the edge and the beam of light. What I saw next, I'm sure has been burned into my mind's eye, and I will never forget it. In the light, long rotten fingers with thick black claws curled around the lip and proceeded to pull something up and over into the cave. This thing pulled itself to a standing position. It was about six feet tall with long deer-like legs, too skinny to support it, that ended in small hooves that seemed to float above the ground. The body looked semi-human, but a skeleton draped with rotten, stinking flesh and patches of mangled fur and ribs protruding from the chest. The smell was wretched, and I wanted to look away, to vomit, and to run. But I was paralyzed with fear, and I kept staring at the long, curled antlers, the warped and twisted body, long arms hanging loosely in front of claws scraping the ground, but mostly the disturbing, contorted mix of human and animal intertwined to make a face so haunting. I will remember vividly on my dying day, I'm sure. And when it locked onto my view with its empty, rotten sockets, it met my eyes, and then I heard it. Quiet, but all around me, that horrid howl managed words. With that, I snapped out of my paralyzed state, switched the safety off, and pulled the trigger. Once, twice, three times from only three feet away. In an instant, the horrible thing before me flickered and was two feet to the right. I fired again and again, and this thing twitched and jerked towards me, a terrifying nightmare continuing to consume my very being. I don't remember much of what happened next. Bear barking, us sprinting, flashes of gunfire and the jerking and clacking, the putrid breath on my neck and the voice, the evil voice, echoing around me. I remember the peak of sunlight, the roar of the side-by-side as me and Bear sped through the desert. We woke up in our shack, uninjured, but forever scarred by our experience. It's kept me awake every night since, and I needed to tell somebody. To warn somebody. Please, if you see the carvings of the thing, see an unknown cave. Please, don't enter. <laughs>